Welcome to the Open Up Cricket podcast. We're talking sport, fitness and mental health. Okay, so today uh, I've got a guest with me. I'm joined by Ross from Cricket Strength. So first of all, Ross, thanks for joining me today, mate. Absolute pleasure, Mark. Cheers. Okay, now for those listening, can you give us just a a brief background? Because um, a lot of the time when we see the word strength and conditioning, people might have a little bit of an idea what it is, but how have you come to be in the the role that you have now? interesting where you you mentioned the uh the interaction with someone like kepler vessels and then 
and then working with Steve Rhodes and, 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 and different people, do you get the direction of what to do f- from a head coach or someone like that? Or do you have a degree of autonomy to set your programmes and work with players in different ways? I'm lucky, really, because there's always been that autonomy uh, in you to one. You almost sink or swim. Mm-hmm. So it's all on you. And particularly, I mean, when I came to Worcester to start, I was really amazed by by how much, how much rope I had from Bumpy. He, he literally just sort of stood well back said, this is your baby, off you go. Um, which I love, because I, I love that accountability. And I don't think there's probably an, enough of it in my profession. Right, yeah. Get to wipe our hands of it a little bit where we should be. No, okay, we need to stand up to say, something goes wrong it's down to us yeah of course yeah and so my next question is is sort of that's set up really nicely that you've got the opportunity then with with the with being left to your own devices to be trusted to be the expert in that area and um, what would you describe as your philosophy of fitness strength and conditioning for me it's always movement first um can they move, yes or no? And if they can't move, why can't they move? And then let's get them moving well. I see it's far too much in strength and conditioning. Um, that we're obsessed with getting them in the gym, getting them the, the word strong gets thrown about so much. Oh, I, I'd take the, the word strength out of strength and conditioning and just call yourself a athletic conditioning coach or something like that because for me it blinds people a little bit. I see kids in schools being loaded up on squats and deadlifts when they've got no right to be because their bodies can't move and well enough to cope with it and the, the form's terrible. Um, so, yeah, my philosophy is get them moving well, build strength around good movement and then get specific with power and things like that. So, uh, okay. it's always for me, we need to get these, these guys on the pitch and performing because at the professional level, they're all good players and everyone's body's slightly different so you've got to just build around them what can help them maximise their skills and stay on the pitch sure yeah well that makes a lot of sense and I think the best philosophies whether it's in coaching or teaching or leadership are ones which when someone says them you just sort of nod and go oh yeah that, make, that makes a lot of sense how do you think that might be able to to transfer to the, the, the kind of average club player who might look at things like strength and conditioning. They might do a bit of work in the gym and they, they, they appreciate perhaps the importance of being physically fit but might be lacking uh, a bit of direction and might just think the solution is to to do a load of, uh, yeah, a load of squats or a load of lunges to try and work on things. But what would you say, if you, you're not in the room with the player but you're just saying... A tip which any club player can can build their their conditioning from. It's, it's assess your own movement, you know. And don't um, I, the reason we started cricket strengths because we were seeing exactly this players not knowing what to do, and even in the professional game, it's still we never understanding of it. So we're but we're seeing these guys say it's like it was do they come for a trial. They've not been with a professional blood, not been in the academy. And, and their understanding of, of what was needed was so far off. It was almost like they were doing the same gym program as a, a PT who's done a, a weekend course would give to a 48-year-old housewife. Mm, right, yeah. we, we need to understand 
the specifics of the sport and what's what's needed to train like you know, training like a rugby player is not going to help cricket either. Mm. Like they're beasts, they're animals, and they need to be. But the collisions are so brutal. But cricket is a completely different skill set. So it would be the one thing I'd say is be specific about you and the role you're doing. Yeah, no, that that's that's uh, important. And what do you have as the main differences then between programs that that fast bowlers might do compared to what a batsman might do? So it'd be the high level of specifics in there, really. So whether it be about our back foot contact, we'll be trying to get them off it and make them strong in the the tall position. I think when you landed on the back foot. Um, I know Steph, who I do cricket strength with, talks about having that back foot contact being like a pole vault. So when the, the guy's running over the pole vault and sticks it in the ground, that's what your back foot contact would be like. So so not on it for long, but really strong to that whole position. Um, so so obviously a batter wouldn't be working in sort of isometric in the bowling positions. Um, we do a lot of power, a lot of medieval work, because of the beauty with medievals is there's no deceleration phase. You know, you're throwing it and letting it go. Whereas with any weights, you have to decelerate at a certain point. So we want to get, with fast bowlers especially, as specific as possible. We target the trunk, because that's the powerhouse of the body. And um, we look at the whole kinetic chain. So how the foot lands, goes up the leg, through the hip, through the trunk, and then across into the bowling arm. We need that to be one pathway, which is open and working well. Whereas in most people we see, that the pathway is closed. And so with fast bowlers especially, we'll make sure that's working well. Um, but there's generic things which all players can do which are going to help, like the trunk work. That's so, so important, um, making sure the trunk and the glutes are working how they should. Because a lot of the time when we see back injuries, it goes back to a, a dysfunction working through either the glutes, the hips, the pelvis, or the, or the core of the trunk. So um, there's things they can both do, but it's... Like with uh, batsmen, the way they do their CV would be different. It would be a lot more agility-based, turning, uh, and that sort of power. But they, they can still work that kinetic chain in similar ways, just not overhead, more about um, tossing the ball and shot-putting the ball and things like that. Right, yeah, OK. Now, with the, the, the professionals that you, you work with, are there any habits that you you see as good practice which are, are, are features of why these people do it for a living compared to those who do it as a hobby what kind of things do they do regularly perhaps even without being prompted that you see that sets them apart uh well if i take our bowling group they're fantastic they've got a great attitude um they'll come in and they'll all be in on a game day around eight o'clock have a bit of breakfast uh, and then they'll be in the gym doing their sort of activation and dysfunction work. So they've all got different stuff they need to work on for their bodies, and they're very diligent about doing it. It's very rare that I, I've got to go and try and pull a bowler in to get their work done. And so they do um, their work with me. They go and see the physio. Uh, then on to activation work with medicine balls and a few power-type exercises, and then they go and have their bowl through. So it's just... The, the, the getting the work done and then you see again people if they're coming for trial they just don't quite grasp it they just turn up like it's a club game uh, I'll eat some sweets have a fizzy drink 
uh, roll out, not do any activation, just try and bowl. Right, yeah. So those little habits uh, and routines are what our bowlers are into. And a couple of them were like Barney went to play for the Lions last year. And some of the feedback we got from him was how good he was at his prep. Uh, young Finchy and Dylan been playing under-19s, Tungy, uh, Lions. And, and all the stuff we get back is how good they are with the prep and how professional they are, which is great. And it probably is what sets them apart. Yeah, that's interesting because I think a f- sometimes a feature of the, the amateur game can be that the the warm up is there just as a, a, a time killer in some cases where it will be there as something and people engage with it they roll their arm over maybe they might just be chatting looking at the wicket so it's interesting to hear that the guys who are a professional approach it in that way and it's it's not just something they have to do they're using that to accelerate their chance of improving performance and so on what do you think um on an, on the probably the, the flip side of this what is it that the guys do um when to to enable them to cope with setbacks particularly if there's an injury or if they're in a recovery phase because that can be very demoralizing when you're quite away away from back in back playing cricket what do these guys use as coping tools to 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 anchor their recovery from injury obviously lucky because they'll have access to a, a um, sports psych and uh, PCA are really good around this as well we've got a lady called Lindsay Williams and she comes in and, and works with the boys and if we have got a long term injury um, what we normally do is we give them a couple of weeks to get away from the ground they always go on holiday or something like that just just get away and, and once they're, they're over that initial annoyance and frustration with it come back in and set their rehab plan up but then Lindsay would get involved and look to do any courses um, anything they're quite keen on doing with uh, young Scrimshaw a couple of years ago did uh, one did a PT course during his rehab process um, so we just try and give them as many sort of different options as possible with myself and Ben the physio we're quite flexible with the times they come in you know if got one of the older guys who's got a family or commitments we try to help them as much as possible because we know it's it's a nightmare like we had this year our club captain Leach was injured and um, missed the whole T20 campaign and finals day and things like that and we knew it was really tough on him and so we just tried to, to give back it and be there to talk as much as possible like the physio room the gym becomes a little bit of a, uh, a base a safe haven for them to come and talk and just get some frustrations out and things like that so we just try and provide that sort of platform for them really Great, yeah. Now that's just th- th- those are things. That if again, if we're transferring this to the to the amateur game, of course, there's not the access to the the, the same level of support with PCA and, and sports sites. But that principle of them being really keeping in contact with people, having the conversations when as and when they need them, and I think what was really useful for for people listening there is when those people are say those injured players may be offered a course or or something else it that's seems to me to be all about giving people the opportunity to set new goals because you can be motivated 
uh, incredibly by knowing what you're trying to achieve with a, a particular bit of hard work you're aiming at um, a, a certain outcome in the season or on a micro level when people end up not having anything particularly to aim for then you can start drifting away and then becoming demotivated and um, what do you observe in the in the in the group or any of the groups that you've you've worked with in terms of the the mental skills that they either work on consciously or develop as a result of being in that that high class environment it's interesting because you don't you don't actively see people working on it consciously some players you have I remember when I first went to Worcester uh, Solanke was captain and it was really interesting watching him, watching him sometimes because he'd have a little book that he would, uh, when he'd finished batting or end of days play, just write, write a few things in there. And I, I never asked him what he was writing in there, but you could just see that was probably his way of coping with it. Um, with others, like I go back to Leachy when he came back as a young player and he went to uni and he put on a little bit too much timber and he came back and trained for him probably a year and a half trying to get his first contract was tough it was probably some of the hardest work he'll ever have to go through and um, and I felt for him even though I was putting him through a lot of it uh, but he he never ever complained and he just got on with it got his head down got stuck in and came out the other end a lot fitter and he talks to me a lot about it now as he now the games don't really bother him. He's, he's been through that sort of stuff, you know, physically, which was horrible for him, and came out the other side. So he, he felt like as soon as he then got through that and got into the games, it felt a lot easier. It's probably the old adage that you know coaches come out with train hard, play easy. So, which you don't see conscious effort a lot of times, subconsciously to get to where they are as professionals. You know, a lot of them have had to overcome adversity yeah yeah and that's really important for 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 people to understand that what the example there you you've used just sounds like a real classic of someone being able to even though the situation is one that's not ideal far from ideal they've accepted it and realized that to get through it it's just going to take a lot of hard work and sometimes we we end up drifting away and thinking we because we don't like the situation we'll make all kinds of excuses and not get out the other end uh, with what we want from it so that again i guess we can pick up from the pros the fact that that discipline of just saying well you, you know what we can maybe moan about it later but getting on with it is the, the way to, to 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 seek the outcome that they want now i suppose my last question really um is is around this idea of the the resilience that the, the the top players have, and and where that where that comes from, I suppose one aspect I'd seen from the outside would be the fact that there is that element of just discipline with the the fixture schedule and having these things to to aim for all the time. But from from your perspective, in terms of working day to day with with the the lads. What else do you feel builds their resilience that makes them able to cope with the stresses and the strains, both physical and mental? I think that the, the team environment, you know, they're all being in it together helps because um, they get very close during the season because you literally you, you just here all the time and they're on the road and they're in hotels. So they've always got people to talk to about it. Um, 
it's just a case of experience. Now we've got our opening batter, Daryl Mitchell. He's brilliant at it because he knows if he's got a good ball and he's snicked off or been bowled, he lets it go straight away. He's like, I couldn't really do much about that, which is brilliant. And so many times you want, want to tell them, just relax, okay? Just trust your, your processes. Sometimes the outcome would be different, but you know, someone like Mitch, you know if, if he's played a bad shot, you know, we'll have a look at it, think, okay, I need to work on that. But like I said, if, it, if it's a good ball, it'll let it go. And, and that's a key thing, I think, where you see the difference in a lot of young players to the older players. It's that ability to think, right, is that within my control or not? And if it is, do something about it. If not, just let it go. Yeah, that's a great philosophy as well. And I think as we as we wrap this up, we've we've seen from your insight here how the top players work forensically on their on their every aspect of their game, including their conditioning, so that when they do step out over the white line, things aren't really left left to the only thing that's left to chance is yeah, someone can buy you an absolute jaffer and you're just going off saying, Well, do you know what, he's probably not going to do that again and I've been unlucky, but I let it go. Having that serenity of knowing you've prepared and then things will just kind of take care of themselves from there. Um one final one though, Ross, what is um the What's the, the the focus in in terms of ne- next season for for Worcester because they've been a very successful year just gone. Um, what would you say you're going to be looking at with your group of players to be to be to be targeting for your next set of improvements? I think for them it's um, probably what changed this year a lot was a, a change of language. We've had a, a different sort of coaching team come in, and uh, particularly the white ball. Whereas in the past, we probably spoke about aiming for quarterfinals and we got to quite a few quarterfinals and semifinals and never got over the hurdle. Uh, this year, Alex Gibman particularly came in and led the white ball cricket and spoke about getting to the final, actually winning it. And um, Mo was exactly the same when he was captain for the T20. The way he spoke before a game we, we was all focused towards actually winning all the time. And, um, and, and that was probably the mindset. So it's going to take that into the red ball cricket. Keep going with the white ball, I think, because the boys have been outstanding really for a couple of years. Uh, two semi-finals in the 50 over comp, uh, winning the T20 this year, and so the, the confidence is high from that. But it's red ball, getting them to keep believing how good they are, because probably a couple of times this year in red ball with being in Div One and being a smaller county. Uh, and that's something as well they're trying to eradicate the talk about being a smaller county. Uh, obviously, we can't do much about the press talking about it, but within our group, we've got some really, really outstanding young players coming through. Um, you know, three or four that could possibly play test cricket in the next couple of years, young bowlers especially. So um, it's, it's probably about the language we use and, and not allowing ourselves to talk about little Worcester. It's, you know, we're good players, got good environment, so let's go and keep winning. Excellent. Yeah, that, that, that culture sounds like one which can continue to grow and grow. Ross, it's been great to chat to you. Um, for those who are listening and want to find out a little bit m- more on the themes that you've been talking about, where can they find you on social media? Uh, Cricket Strength is on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, cricketstrength.com is our website. Um, so just on there, then we provided a couple options on cricketstrength.com. Uh, one of them is what we call the inner circle, um, so people can come in and join a little community 
where we help with training programs. But, but the beauty of it is the interaction with coaches and players, um, talking about how they're going, and, and just providing something for non-professionals um, to get access to how to actually train like a cricketer instead of, like we said, going off to a gym, having their programs and, and breaking down first week of the season. So we just want to try and help as, as many people as possible as good as they possibly can. Great, yeah, and I, I for one would certainly advocate everything that I've read and seen that's done by yourself and, and Stefan's absolutely uh, top draw. So thanks for joining us, mate, and, and enjoy the off-season and then when you're back in, I look forward to seeing how Worcester progress. Right, one last thing is, yep. lads and ladies, talk if you've got a problem, don't keep it bottled up, go and talk to someone, whoever it may be, because it's never worth bottling it up. Spot on. Thanks very much, Ross. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate.